Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello again, you dirty bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of uh, the Snugcast uh, with uh, your host, Owen, that's me, and DJ, that's him. How are you? We uh, have the, this uh, podcast live every week, uh, so we're in... Phil pre-recorded Grimes, live. Pre-recorded live, uh, so uh, we're in Phil Grimes Pub in Waterford again this week. And uh, as always, we'll start this podcast by uh, saying what we're drinking. So, uh, DJ, over to you. Uh, what are you drinking this week? Thanks, Owen. Uh, I'm on a Metal Man this week. Um, Metal Man Lager. Nice, crisp. Uh, good, refreshing taste of it. One of those drinks where when you take the first sip of it, your whole palate is just cleansed and refreshed. And um goes down really well. I, I find it's one of those that... I don't know, you know, sometimes you just take a sub of a drink and it's one of those drinks that I tend to drink in bigger gulps than I would normally mm-hmm. another drink. Um, I go through them quick enough. Don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it's definitely interesting. It just has that effect on me. I, I guzzle the stuff when I drink it. And uh, going down well tonight, thanks. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had it now a few times. And uh, I've always said it blows the fucking head off me. <laughs> like, literally blows the head off me. But, like... That's a good thing as well, do you know? It gets you where you want to go, and it yeah. gets you there quick enough. Um, the first night we ever went out together in Watford, when I moved here two and a half years ago now, um, we went and we went on the Metal Man, and safe to say I wasn't in great shape the next day. No. But for what we're doing tonight now, we're having three or four pints, having a chat, recording a podcast. It's actually ideal for that, because it gets, like... You want to be uh, have a bit of lubrication recording these things, and it gets you there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, listeners, how are you? How are you? How'd you get on this fucking week? Text uh, in. Text in. Fucking tell us how you're getting on. For for any of the listeners out there that do actually want to to text in or or uh, ask any questions, you can record a voice message on the Anchor app if you download it, and you can send them directly to the Snugcast. So we're just Snugcast on the Anchor app. So if you do want to ask us and have anything. Uh, uh, anything contributing to a podcast send it away in I'm sure we'll have a bit of crack with you anyway yeah uh, we'll so, so I've asked the listeners uh, how they are 
this past week. DJ, how was your week? Really good. Yeah. Really positive, yeah. Uh, was four hurling training sessions went okay in all of them. Um, we did a bit of work, I suppose. Got through it. Yeah, yeah. Edited a podcast and published it. Mm. Well, edited it and you published it after signing off. Yeah, positive week. Asher, look, we make a balls of most things we do. Um, got the old social media up game up and running now. We're we're, we're growing, uh, and uh, most importantly, saw my grandparents on Monday night. No way. Yeah, yeah, still flying. Shout out to Anna and Morris there. Fucking absolutely flying it and be down for a few apples there on Saturday night for a few make a few apple tarts during the week Jesus fucking flying it absolutely uh, so uh, there last weekend actually I was uh, went up to uh, Dublin I was up to the girlfriend there in Dublin and uh, I went to the Borgosh Energy Theatre and I saw um, Jurassic Park uh, with the National uh, Concert Orchestra or National Symphony Orchestra or whatever they're called now I think they're after combining the two of them but uh, so, uh, funny story. Like we were coming out of the the spot uh, afterwards, so we had seen the whole thing, like you know, and it was fucking absolutely amazing. Like it was so immersive, like you know, and uh, the orchestra added loads to the whole thing. Uh, so uh, came out of the theater, and we were just, like standing on the balcony, just kind of uh, waiting around afterwards. And uh, I overheard this guy beside me, and uh, he goes, "Oh, the fucking this Jurassic Park thing was absolutely amaze balls, man! It was absolutely amaze balls. It was as if I was like back in fucking the Jurassic era, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like fucking nonce. So like absolute nonce, right? But like so, first of all." Right, fucking Jurassic Park is set in whatever, like ninety two or whatever it was. Was it? I don't know what. Uh, Jurassic Park ninety five, if I was to guess off the top of my head, but it's it's, it's mid early to mid nineties yeah. anyway. So right, the first one anyway. So right, first of all, right, it's not set in the Jurassic era. No, right? it's, it's set, set in, in the like 90s. the like it was set in the modern era at the time, right? Second of all, right, like are you expecting a fucking <laughs> cello to be? <laughs> Back in the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, like, fucking T-Rex would walk in there having our team tune following around. We are dinosaurs. We should not be here. It is 1992. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even get the, the air right. <laughs> Scans like right, absolute yeah. shitology, huh? Yeah, uh, like there's always one. Oh, yeah, there's always one, yeah. Um, and myself, I'm uh, drinking uh, the Metal Man as well. Actually, fucking absolute peach of a drink. Like, uh, like as I said, there it's heavy enough. Like, but Jesus, it's uh, it's absolute beauty. And speaking of Metal Man's. Your girlfriend. Metal men. <laughs> metal women. She's a metal woman. Uh, fucking dropped you down there here tonight, like in the shout car. Out, shout out to Neve. Went uh, out for dinner. She dropped me down. And uh, like, sure, like, like, in fairness, like, like in this day and age, right? Like, no one in Ireland, right, wants to drink drive. No. That, that, that is uh, our generation's mentality. 
I've gone to the I've gone for J one in the US and they're mad about it. They absolutely love Coming drink. Up a folk. They love drink driving. Like honestly, it's as if it's a it's, hobby of theirs. Like you nearly get points if you're below a certain limit. Yeah, yeah. As in, you get penalty points for not doing it. Like. Yeah. Uh, they they have a big ad campaign over there to condemn sober driving. But like, in fairness, in fairness to Ireland, like it's one thing we've gotten bang on right. Like, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think look per- my personal view on it maybe we've gone one step too far with the recent reductions now look that's my personal view but then I suppose you can't argue with statistics in the RSA like they brought up good statistics here to say yeah I know they're probably right in what they're doing look you know that been said I got a drop down here today so I could have a few points I know but like as in say your girlfriend dropped you off like 2k Whereas, say you're in a, you're in fucking like far and four or somewhere like in middle of Kerry, like or wherever, like you know. You have to go to the airport for a point. Yeah, I like as in. Yeah, I oh, know. Listen, like. Do you mean rural Ireland? Like, as how many pubs in rural Ireland are shut down now? Like, but, but say for example, if I build in Tullahor, which I intend on doing, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Mm. In the Ross, the nearest town, there's there's two pubs either side of the parish. You're not fucking driving it, and well, you know, if you're not driving it, which I won't be. You're, you're not getting a taxi out there. There aren't any. No. So you're relying on spins or a high-vis jacket and a fucking 2K walk. Yeah. No. There is a solution. Go on, tell us. I'm not going to take credit for this idea because in fairness, Tommy Kyrie, who we gave a shout-out to in the last episode, gave us this idea earlier. He said, you know what you should talk about in this podcast, lads? Driverless vehicles. And I was thinking about applications for driverless vehicles when I was eating my dinner earlier. Yeah. Jeez, it would be great to have a driverless vehicle you sit in the passenger seat after a few points yeah it would like, it would ultimately it would be like right so if the whole thing went fucking smash bang perfect it will be brilliant right yeah but like it, at the end of the day it's technology at the same time like you know so like anything can go fucking arse with, with technology right also what vehicles are available to us how do you mean like do I sit on the back of a driverless motorbike and hug a like a robot like hug a robot or hug a a mannequin (laughs) for stability yeah or like driverless cars obviously Google are pioneering them at the moment yeah well I think the the ones uh, in Google at the moment are uh, pretty much just kind of like a, a like a mini nearly like a, a small like driverless mini like it's yeah. it's very small car that's it's like, like a god like you know yeah. it's like, like a, a golf cart, cart yeah, like yeah. a golf cart without the steering wheel or anything like you know without the human so like I'm like I'm dragged back to do you remember the film uh, I Robot with Will Smith, Will Smith. 2004 I'd say I was around that time we, right. we, were, we were of a, a junior back then like right. junior sortish so like there's again like that film like deals with the whole issue of uh, the intelligence and AI and stuff right yeah so I think um, I actually only know this from this film right but there's three laws of robotics and it's actually the very start of this film and uh, so it's uh, Isaac Asimov is the fucking author who does it right fair play to you and it was 
a short story of his in in the 1940s or something, right? But it 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 details how uh, robotics kicked off, right? So the first law of robotics is uh, you can't uh, you can't harm humans, right? I'm uh, all for that. You can't harm humans, or you can't have harm caused to any human, which are two separate points. Yes. As in, the robot can harm humans, or they have to save a human from coming to harm. Which, that's, uh, for example, two humans kicking the shit of each other. Mm. How do they intervene? Exactly, right? Or do they intervene, or whatever, yep. right? So, right, that's, that's, one, that's one point there, right? The second law of robotics, or, a, or artificial intelligence, I suppose, as it is called now, is uh, that uh, a robot must, uh, must obey the commands of a human unless it interferes with the first law. Right, so basically it's like the Ten Commandments. Yeah. In terms of thou shalt not kill, like, like the robot is programmed to do what a human commands it to accept these commandments which are like thou shalt not kill or kick the shit of another human yeah 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 I I have I think robotics is a very interesting area in terms of if they could perfect robotics like they can computerize timings around traffic lights and stuff like that so I think mm. right in theory you could go with driverless vehicles and driverless but I don't see how you half have driverless vehicles and then half have human operated vehicles I don't see how that works likewise the no sex robots I'd rather be driven by a robot than rolled by one <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> like you know where robotics is going like <laughs> they're taking it to mad places but my, my take on driverless vehicles uh, I'd be all for it if it was nothing but driverless vehicles see that's it as in mm. so basically so right I'll, look I'll tell you the third law go for robotics, it, which go is for it. The, sorry I, the, the third I thought the first law two parts were the two laws but it was law at 1A and 1B no. sorry so the third law of robotics is that uh, now I might be completely wrong with this but as far as I remember it's that a robot uh, hold on a robot will come uh, to no or a robot will like prevent itself from coming to no harm once it doesn't intervene with the first and second law of robotics sure like that's a real fucked up negative feedback loop there you have going do you know yeah like there, there are countless scenarios where all those laws conflict but that's in the context of a robot mimicking a human yeah whereas a robot driving a human see that's it I yeah I don't know how those laws apply in full to yeah, but, do you know what I mean but, but, but it's, it's complicated actually when you think about it I know but that like that's the space that we're in at the moment whereby uh like we have uh, robotic or we have driverless cars yeah. on the horizon right so like they're probably like taking the sense of they're just driving us around they're like you know preventing crashes whatever like you know uh, but so uh, I robot the film spoiler alert here right yeah if you haven't seen it in if the you last haven't seen years. it in the last 20 years but go fuck yourself if you haven't 
right? The end of that film, uh, the whatever the mother robot or whatever of, of all these robots uh, decides that. Uh, the human race is coming to such a standstill that saving the human race uh, by killing, or like you say, like you know, cancer and like disease and like all these kind of like you know crime, all these kind of uh, aspects of uh, humanity is eventually going to end the world that the robots are going to end it prematurely in order to save the human race yeah. and is in in order for it to come to less harm well so like, like you know as survival of the fittest it, contra- it contradicts survival of the fittest it contradicts yeah, yeah. all that theory in nature and yeah. at the start of the film so non-spoiler alert because <laughs> you'll see it at the start you'll see it at the start so uh, the start of it it's uh, Will Smith and he fu- he basically fucking hates the robots yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Off, out the gap he just absolutely hates robots just like he hates the zombies in I am, <laughs> I am I'm legend I am yeah. legend I was going to say I am human <laughs> uh, so, uh, at the, so basically at the start of he loves he loves films starting with like uh, so at the start of iRobot he, he he hates robots and you don't find out for say like I don't know half an hour of the film but then eventually you find out that uh, he was in a car crash so similar to say uh, like what we're talking about here with like driverless cars and stuff but like he was in a car crash and uh, he is uh, knocked off a bridge and the car is like submerged on the water right so uh, it's him and the other car that is in the collision that are submerged on the water right so uh, in the other car so sorry in his car it's just him uh, so like say 30 year old human uh, in a car majestic right? human at that. majestic human right in the other car is a uh, say husband and wife and a eight-year-old child, let's say, right? So the uh, father and mother of the child are killed on impact in the collision, right? Yep. The car is swept over the ridge into the water. Uh, a robot is on the bridge, like a like one of these fucking I don't know walking talking robots, right? That is able to catch everything like just you know operate fully like basically like a house elf in Harry Potter yeah exactly right so this robot then uh, jumps into the water right so the robot jumps in and it sees Will Smith 30 year old male in a car right and it sees 8 year old kid in another car the robot calculates that Will Smith if it dives down at the same pace as it's going to dive down to save the kid has a 50% chance of survival the kid on the other hand the 8 year old kid has a 10% chance of survival so he picks Will Smith so the robot picks Will Smith who has had a longer life but goes to pick Will Smith so basically Will Smith because he has uh, survived this ordeal uh, decides that uh, fuck robots like as in yeah. 
I will pick the child every single day of the week, like, and it's that human uh, interpretation of things. Yeah, so the, the, it's a compassion that the robot lacks yeah. that a human would choose the child to say first and, and then try and deal with the consequences of the 30 year old later. Yeah. If the robot is cold and calculated. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Driving vehicles, automatic, like robot operated vehicles, in, as, as I said. I think if you can get them all going and you can computerise it all fine, obviously there's a margin for error there. Whether that margin for error will be as big as the human margin for error is, I'm not too sure. The other side to that too is uh, robot operated anything is only as good as the human that's designed it and it is only as good as the faults in the design that the human that designed it has put in place. Mm. So even though robotics are probably like greater from a probability point of view mathematical and a pure hard science point of view I still think in the example you gave with iRobot and Will Smith they'll never have the compassion that you know yeah. humans make decisions with likewise they'll never um, I suppose they'll, they'll never be flawless which is what you're trying to achieve with a robot and, and, and the other thing I'd point out there as well is you're looking at robotics in like say healthcare robotics in like you know uh, the emergency services like um, I've an uncle who's a fireman who attends emergency scenes and if you had a, a robotic fireman uh, it would be making decisions similar to those that that robot, robot made in iRobot where actually in fact you know the compassion element of emergency services is one that makes emergency services what they are. So, like, do you know, it's it's like started off talking about dri like driverless vehicles, but you get into this minefield, and I think we're at a point in time now where we have the means to provide robotics in so many areas, but do we have the understanding of the implications and knock-on effects to deal with the consequences of that? I don't think so. Yeah, and. Uh, like as you were saying right as in once there is complete buy-in it'll be fine like as in once there is complete buy-in of cars right uh, like there'll be no traffic jams because like so I remember uh, 2011 I was on a J1 in the States right and uh, uh, we were coming back from Vegas uh, to San Diego and uh, we were in this traffic jam outside this town right but the tr so we heard on the radio that the traffic jam was two hours long, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So two hours, right, means that the first first car in that line, right, takes off, right. The delay between that car and the next car takes however long, like a second, yeah. right. The car, the delay between that car and the next car takes a second, two seconds, whatever, right. Right, right. So that basically that each of those cars take like like every car in that line takes a couple of seconds or more right to get the engine started and yeah. and move right like if it's one second and it's two hours doing quick maths yeah that's like seventy two hundred cars minimum exactly right so but like do you know as in like it, like it actually wasn't say like it was maybe like say. 2,000, 3,000, car, whatever cars, like, you know, but it was just that delay between cars, yeah. right, of it, right? But if you had, like, robotics in place, right, say if there was a stop uh, because of an accident, right, the accident was cleared 
and there's a, a pileup of 3,000 cars. Each of those cars are going to start at the same time and they're going to move at the same time. They're all going to move, they're all going to start and move at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not, there's, no good, there's not going to be any like human delay between the cars like. So they're all going to move at the same time. But the flaw to that theory then is Say for example, what's what's the what's the error ratio? Like, what's the probability of error? One in a million, maybe. Yeah. But when that one in a million happens, so if that's happening every day at rush hour, and there's you know thousands of cars going by, once a week you're going to have one of these cars malfunction, and then you're going to have a line of three thousand cars moving and hitting it. Yeah. Do you know? I think like there's so much to iron out. I don't oh, yeah, think straightforward. Yeah. I don't. Oh, but think, like, I suppose that like that as well is why. They've take they're taking so long to, to yeah. do like as in yeah. like what's the uh, Silicon Valley in fucking in San Fran and stuff are like you know they're like they're like like they have they have like cars moving there the whole time like you know but I suppose and what they have I think they have like yeah. I think Google have like billions of miles and of it, data you know, like but that's grand but Google don't have billions of miles of data on world's most deadliest roads that you see on on Discovery Channel Google don't have billions of miles of data in downtown New Delhi you know what I mean so like I I think there's a bit of context we have with that is that say uh, I have an an extra car right yeah and you don't right and you're bombing it down the road like and my car is going fine like you know tipping away tipping away right and you're bombing it down the road you're fucking too fast, too furious, like you know. Um, Shout out to Vin Diesel. Yeah. So you're you're bombing it down the road, right, towards me, and you start uh, you start skidding towards a, a young girl, right, like fucking a four year old or something that's like playing on the side of the road. You lose control of the car and you start skidding towards her, right. So. Does my car then take my life? So I own my electric car. Yeah. Right. Does my does my car take my life as a random person, right? Or does it take it as as like I don't want to die? But can your car compute that in that split second? That's what I mean. Can right? it compute what's happening behind it and that there's a kid there four years of age and do all that? Do you know what I mean? Like. But let, let's just say it can, right? Right. Well, then if you go back to your fundamentals of robotics. Yeah. So. Then, the first law and the third law are conflicting. Because yeah. in order to save that girl, which would be preventing harm to another human, it has yeah. to harm a human. Yeah. So say so say that girl right, who has, say, if if the car intervenes right, has a hundred percent chance of survival right, and I have, like say fifty percent chance of survival if it intervenes or whatever right, does the car then take the decision to divert its course off the road, to save the girl and risk my fifty percent chance of survival like. The honest answer is, I don't know. Yeah, and like, do you know, as in, like, I don't want to die, and like, do I want to put myself into a vehicle that is going to chance that me to could die? possibly put your life in danger 
for the, for 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 a chance to somebody else that is like. And for all you know, the child could be an absolute bastard. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, what? What is your favorite airport of all time? Favorite airport of Just all time. Just to fucking rock the boat all together now. Just to throw a spanner and the old works. Favourite airport of all time. Can I answer with two airports? Of course, yeah, sure. Right. You don't have rules in this podcast, like. No, no. The loose rules are no libel, no slander. And if there is, fuck it. Um, I have two favourite airports. Go on. My first favourite airport is probably uh, Sheepal in Amsterdam. Ah, stop. You're robbing the answer. Go on, anyway. I'm robbing your answer. I'm like, yeah, sorry. Like... What I love about Sheephall is it's so accessible from downtown Amsterdam going both ways. And they go both ways in Amsterdam. Um, so when you get there, you're close to town. It's just a tram right away. You're in there. You can even get a quick Uber and it's, you know, you're there in no time. Um, and it has everything. So, do you know, if you're traveling at a queer hour of the morning when you get there, they have all sorts of food outlets, everything you could want. And it's very well signposted and organised. There's good flow. But also, like, I have to say, like, I've travelled out of it once. I think I went to Portugal or somewhere like that out of it. Uh, Farron 4 Airport, Gary. <laughs> like, you know when you're travelling, there's the whole angst about going to the airport, travelling, actually the ordeal of getting to the airport in time, getting parking, going there, travelling on the plane... It's just a fucking nuisance for everyone. Farm 4 Airport, there's about 40 car park spaces. You pull in, you park your car. I don't think there's even a ticket in service, if I remember. You go in, and literally, when you walk in, the double doors opens. You can see right in front of you the double door, and it's basically the runway. Like, their security section is about one lad with a hat on, and, a, you know, now from, from airport security, I'm sure they do everything above board, but there's so little action there, like, and it's all regional flights to just these little destinations for people in Kerry, fly over once, fucking in and out. I'd say you could arrive at Farm 4 Airport eight minutes before flight would take off, and you'd make the flight. Yeah. Fucking love it. Yeah, uh, so... Like there are two quality answers. Uh, so I'm gonna add to the ship hall one there. So uh, I had a 15, 12, 15 hour layover in ship hall there uh, once. Uh, I think I don't know. Was it flying out or the flying? No, sorry, it's flying home. We we're flying. We we're flying home from uh, Beijing. Beijing. Beijing to Kiev, Kiev to Amsterdam, Amsterdam home to Dublin, um, and we, we so we came to Schiphol, right? So we yep. had like fifteen hours in Schiphol or something like that. And like fuck me, there's so many good uh, shops and shit there. Like it's oh, it's amazing. It's class. Like there's this, like there's an electron, electronic store where it's like. Flying a drone for about an hour, like, <laughs> and uh, there's like, uh, what's the what Albert Hein? You know that fucking. The, oh, the the basically their version of, um, like a super. It's a supermarket, isn't it? Like it's like super value. It's, it's, it's like, it's super, like super value or great. It's more like Greg's in the UK or yeah. um, one of them. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as those Greg's. Like. No, it's like a quality Greg's. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a quality Greg's. Uh, but yeah, they, like they fucking like. Wait, yeah, they have like fucking 
bottles of beer and stuff. like bottles of Heineken for like nothing in there. Like it's absolutely amazing. So you knocker drinking in the middle of an airport. <laughs> well, like I think the amazing thing about that Amsterdam airport, right, is that so you have the airport, right? Yeah. And it just seamlessly blends into like a train station for. Uh, oh yeah. Like it, like into like, well, in like basically into Central uh, Amsterdam, right? But like also to like uh, anywhere else in the Netherlands and maybe like parts of Belgium or whatever. Like. Oh yeah, it does go to Belgium. Yeah, and and like from there, there's actually is a Eurotrans train that goes from um, Amsterdam Airport to Paris as well. Yeah, so like that's like insane. Gateway to Europe. But like literally, like. As in, it's not even like, oh, change, change terminal or whatever. It's literally just walk down the road and it's yeah. like the same building and you just, it just opens up a bit and it's fucking, it's, like you just kind of go down, go down an escalator or something and you're there. there. They have that Manchester airport too. And like, this is the thing that, this is a big gripe I have at Irish airports. They're so disconnected from the locations yeah, yeah. they're supposed to be. Like, Cork and Dublin airport, you're not even fucking close to where you want to be. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what, is it like six quid on the, six euro to get into Dublin city off the city bus or whatever it is. City lane John, on whatever. bus, uh, you, could be, you could be fine for 15 hours. Yeah. John, and then you're you don't getting, want to be going on no. bus, like. No. Um, and it's just limited. But. Another thing about ship hall, right, as well, is that, Right, this is class, right? So, uh, 15 hours there, right? So I had, I went up to the, there was like this kind of like food hall bit, which was yeah. pretty class. Like up I'm to familiar like with this work. The thir- like, the, like, thir- like third floor of uh, departures. Because, you know, like the annoying thing, like in a lot of airports is that a lot of the food stuff is like after check-in. Mm, but like yeah. you can only check in say three hours or whatever before your flight. Yeah. So, uh, like the departures lounge is so basically you're, yeah, you're, yeah you're you're fucked in the departures zone. So uh, in, in fairness, in Amsterdam Airport you can go up to I think it's like third like third or fourth floor, and like they have like this uh, food court there where you can get food. So uh, we gone we went and got food there. But then, like, outside of that, right, there's, like, uh, a rooftop uh, outdoor area that you can go to where they have an entire Boeing, I don't want to say 747 because I actually don't know, but it is a fucking huge plane. Like, some, I think it is a Boeing of some sort, but, like, a Boeing, like, out on top of the roof that they have, like, steps into and that you can go up into and you can, like, go into the cockpit no and, like, way. Have a mess around in the cockpit, and you can have a mess around in the plane as well. For like, basically, it's pretty much for kids. Imagine you get well, a free like, reign at that when you're six, like. Yeah, well, stop at six, like twenty-seven, like yeah. I was fucking di- diving into the thing. <laughs> Elbow and children to get yeah, out of the yeah, way. Get out the that bastard child that you fucking car tried to kill you for. Yeah, it's fucking Go fuck there. yourself, like right. Trying to seat me whole. So that's awesome, right? Secondly, right, they have, like, I'm pretty sure they have, like, art installations from, like, maybe not, like, Van Gogh, but, like, they have definitely, like, art installations from, like, other top artists inside in the airport as well. Also, they have this clock inside in there that is, uh... So I think it took the artist uh, 12 hours to make this clock. Yep. 
So basically, this artist, an hour, an hour. So uh, basically, it is say uh, the face of a clock that is blank with no minute hands or no hour hands, right? Yeah. So there is a silhouette behind the clock, okay? Yeah. Uh, painting the hour hand and the minute hand, right? Yeah. So, so the artist paints the hour hand and the minute hand, right? And then within the minute, rubs out, like say just as it's gonna turn fucking, like as it's gonna go from 1200 to 1201, he rubs out the minute hand and he paints. So he rubs out the minute hand, keeps the 12 hour hand, but he, he paints mm -hmm. the one minute line, yeah. right? So that artist did that for 12 hours. Lived, like actually did it for 12 hours. Okay, yeah. And they recorded the whole thing and they put it on a face clock in like the departures or the arrivals hall in the place. Like the whole recording of him like painting, painting it. Painting it. That's mad. And like, so basically it is their hour clock inside. Uh, like it, honestly, you have to see yeah, like, the whole thing. But is. imagine if you didn't know that. And you went there, and then like six months later, you went back. You'd be like, "That lad's still painting that fucking clock." Oh no! It like so. It honestly looks like it because yeah. I think they have like at the back of the workstation, they kind of have a silhouette of your man to to still make it look as if. Oh yeah, still like still painted. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. That's brilliant. So ship ship all is your answer. My ship all, yeah, yeah. ship all from yeah is my favorite. Like yeah, great. Worst? What's your worst? Well, what's your worst? Yeah, my worst airport I've ever been in. Um, Newcastle Airport was certainly tainted for ah, me. Stop the UK airports are horrendous. But Newcastle in particular, because I once had a thirty-seven hour delay in delay. Newcastle. Yeah, when I was sixteen, um, come back from a school like one of these exchange trips with a school for a week, like fucking nightmare. And all there was, there was one games room, and like, ah, it was just. So when you have a 17 hour layover, shut, or 37 hour fucking delay. I like, actually point about those uh, UK airports is that um, they're way, like, they pull your uh, luggage, like, a lot more than, say, like, Irish or U other EU airports, or, or even US or airports, you know, which I would think are much stricter. But like they, they tend to like just pull your luggage. So like you're in a fucking huge queue. Everyone's luggage is getting pulled. So there's gonna be there's a huge backlog already which is slowing down the whole process. Yeah. Then you're waiting at the the like the pulled queue like let's say and you're waiting for your luggage to come back like, you know? Yeah. And like there's nothing ever wrong with it at all. Like no. Like it like it's not as if it's like like we all know the score, like hundred mils, you know, ten ten hundred mil items, they all have to be in a fucking plastic bag. And do you know what? You can actually I, I play this game when I'm at an airport where I look at people in the queue and I say, Who's the prick that forgot the fucking hundred mil rule? Yeah. And I'm actually there, I'm like, you, you and you and I reckon I'm about fifty fifty, like you can actually fairly spot mm. the pricks that are like coming out like wondering why they're fucking the, the the women with the big tubby big can of hairspray wondering why you weren't yeah, getting on her the fella like, with the fucking big bottle of fucking dove shampoo and you're like yeah, yeah. here Johnny like 
there's signs they're battering you with signs in the main but I, Newcastle is just tainted for me in that regard other airports that are shit um, I don't know I think on like I, I, I genuinely think uh, Dublin and Cork Airport are very poor compared to European like like Cork Airport is something but at least when you get into Cork Airport you're there and you're out do you know you don't have to fucking spend time when you come back in it Dublin Airport's getting better I suppose but like when you get Ryanair flight back in Dublin Airport you have a fucking 2k trek to get back just to fucking ride do you know I probably think they're not great and we Luton Airport shit as well because they're in the middle of nowhere hmm. um other than that, I found, like, look, we've travelled an awful lot to, to loads of various airports. I think they're fairly similar in Spain. They're all grand, like, they all have something to offer. You lock up by yourself for an hour if you're waiting for someone or something like that, but... Fuck me, Irish airports are bleak, except for Farron 4. Shout out to Farron 4. Um, and UK airports, especially the non-big, huge ones. I really like Liverpool Airport because it is that small. It's, it's similar to Cork Airport in the sense that you're in and you're out. But like Manchester Airport's good because you're in and you're through and you're on a train to wherever you're going. Or if you're like, you know, they have a good taxi rank system there. It's very clear and obvious. But fuck me, we flew into Leeds Bradford once. That's a bleak bastard of a place. Mm, that's bleak, yeah. I think, uh, I think they accept as well there that... Uh, it's they, a bleak bastard of a place. It's a bleak bastard of a place. But because they um, outsource their staff, yeah, they like they have they have security companies that come in to to uh, manage their to like to manage their whole security. Thing. So I think like I actually have to disagree with you for double. Uh, that's that's perfectly acceptable. I actually think I actually love. Oh, the security in Dublin Airport are top notch. Top notch, right? They have a great sense of humour. They make everyone feel at ease. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. Literally, like every time I've I've gone to Dublin Airport, they've gone. Like, if there's any bit of like a queue going on, I go and fucking security scanner six is open. Security yeah. scanner four is open. Whatever, right? And they just fucking. They, they know how to just split up the queue like and, and, I, and like you're in it in you're like you're through the thing in no time and all that like, I agree really. gotcha and also Dublin Airport's a great spot for a pint of Guinness oh top notch like but I'm talking about the overall airport experience which includes arriving yeah well yeah so uh, like arriving uh, yeah arriving and like say your your long term car parking needs and stuff and, and the passport and your, check situation uh, yeah. of the airport is ridiculous is a fucking disgrace and your and, and your walk safety wine air like you know that's mm. that's that's a joke but like say if you're travelling like Aer Lingus and stuff and you're in like uh, like say the 300s or one of those like, yeah. once you're not in the whatever t- whatever airport, whatever li- 211 or whatever you're not too bad like um, no fucking airports air, airports are like we've travelled together an awful lot professionally and person like on personal trips and professional trips we're both laid back characters in the airport like the last time me and Eve went on a holiday we went to um, we're going out with Dublin actually we went to Liverpool recently um, on a weekend trip and no it wasn't we went to Lisbon sorry my apologies we went to Lisbon in June there and uh 
Do you know how laid back we are? Like we go in, we go for a pint, to arrive at the gate or a couple of minutes after they say to arrive, I should be fine. Uh, I just remember like we landing at the gate and like there's only about five people left to do the, the boarding pass check and she freaking out. And that's the norm for me traveling. That's the norm, like don't we take our time going, like we're not going to be running there and at the front of the queue without priority booked or something like that. So that's just not our style. Whereas Neve was saying, like, I've never been this late to arrive for a plane. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. What, what, Owen, like, what's, what's your worst? Uh, so my worst airport experience was, uh, actually, so to tell you the truth, it was actually in the same flight as my best airport experience, right? right. Yeah. So my best air airport experience was from Beijing to Dublin, right? So it was Beijing to Kiev, Kiev to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Dublin, right? My worst airport experience was from Kiev to uh, Amsterdam, right? So, uh, uh, so I arrived from Beijing in Kiev. And there was, uh, we had. I think we had a fifty-minute layover, right? It actually seemed quite uh, quite long enough at the time. So we got off the flight. Uh, there was no one there off the flight. Do you know, what I mean? sometimes with connecting flights like that are tight enough, you have people to connect you off the flight. That are like, oh, you need to get on this bus, or yeah. we'll drag you here, blah blah blah, right? N none of that. So we got off the flight and we're like, fuck, we need to get we need, we need to get somewhere now. Quick! Fucking on the dot. Pronto, handle it, handle it. Handle it, handle it. So uh, we got into the got into the airport terminal. And uh, by Christ, it was like a fucking uh, it was like a refugee camp. Like, yeah. No joke, right? There was queues. I've heard airport, like. There was queues, like the length of the airport, like it was like fucking Beirut, like it was insane, right? So uh, we were like, uh, like, like we were like, we didn't comprehend that this was just a general queue. We thought this was like some sort of like special queue, like you know. So we're like. Uh, yeah, no answer. Like, sure, we have like fifty minutes or whatever. Or like, we also kind of like thought that even if this was the queue, that it was you know so long and so kind of narrow or whatever that like you know just kind of tip along and you know there was you know twenty open desks or whatever you know you just you just get through like you know. So uh, we went up to this uh, connection desk thing. And we go, uh, look, we have 40 minutes now at this stage to uh, get onto our flight. Uh, where do we go? She goes, you joined that queue. And I go, grand, and how long is that queue? She goes, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe three hours? Fuck. Go, sorry, what? Was three hours. Uh, we don't have three hours. Like This is a fucking joke. Like goes well tough hits like you're you're not gonna get anywhere with this go, uh, go fuck yourself like we need to we need to go home like we're 
traveling since <laughs> traveling since February. We're traveling for about like four months now at this stage, like just leave us alone. So your one your one your one's giving us no fucking cop on at all, like so uh, anyway so we go we go back to the back here and kind of survey the scene we only have say 35 minutes left now like to, until the flight departs so i say kira put on the waterworks turn on the waterworks now we're, we need to, we need to get home we're like we're we're fucking homesick now at this age we need to get home like and the thing about that is it's not even being sexist saying kira turn on the waterworks if you start crying, people take no notice. <laughs> no. Just think you're a pig. Like, they'll just be, think you're an absolute fucking sap. Yeah. You know. I know. But in fairness, she was close to the war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She was there already. Like, you just gave her a pinch in the back of the arm and yeah. set off. So, uh, in fairness, though, like, she fucking... Went straight to the waterworks. Straight, uh, so we went, yeah, put on the waterworks. Straight up to the top of the queue, like you know. Me too. Go. So like, I, I like that was me. That wasn't her. Like she was just crying, like you know. But I was like, you know. Me too. Go. And uh, in fairness, like there was this family like at the very top of the queue, like and they were like, yeah, go, go on ahead, like you know. Asher, we were 15 minutes early. For the <laughs> He's sitting there with a cross arm to the coffee, like happy out, like fucking blissful, like fucking absolute fucking chancers. Asher, look. Oh yeah, no, actually, I look, but like, honestly, the, the way the staff treated us, and like, the fucking, the shit, like, as in, so, there was that, shit house, so like, there was that three hour queue, right, but yeah. there was four security places in Kiev, four, like, four, in the whole of the airport, four security scanners in Kiev, like, for that, those counting flights, that's but, fucking scanning. What I want to say about that is, right, that's Kiev in December, 2017? Uh, December, yeah. They're hosting a fucking Champions League final in May that year, six months later. You know, like they're expecting hundreds of thousands of people in in one day. Do you know? You think they get their shit together a couple of months in advance? No. Look, we got home in the end, and we ended up going to Jordan's for a pint a few nights later. I love it. Pints and Jordans indeed, and we ended up uh, going on a Christmas party that night, which, you know, we look forward to trying and get some sort of uh, content for a podcast together on our Christmas party this year. However, that'll work. It'll be a bit wild. But, um, Owen, I think we're going to try something new for this episode. Uh, We're all about not resting on our laurels and trying new things. And uh, we're going to try a section where you're going to try and tell us how to bet poorly. What are you calling this section, Owen? Uh, I'm going to call it Tab's Top Tips. Uh, <laughs> I fucking love that. Uh, look, I'm probably the worst gambler in the world. so I'm a close second. Yeah, so I'm going to try and... Uh, uh, try and uh, inflict my knowledge onto the, the listeners or our, our drinking buddies out there in... in in the wider community um, just want to start this section off by saying uh, please be gamble aware gamble aware.ie or dot wherever you live in do not lose your mortgage on gambling yeah well like when when the fun stops when the fun stops definitely stop, stop. 
like we're the kind of lads that go in with five euro in coins to Paddy Powers once a week and place five different accumulators that might return two grand each and then never come off no, like like last week, oh yeah, like that, like like last week, Bolton, Portsmouth, Middlesbrough, Charlton, Chester, and some other couple of teams that I probably never heard of probably let me down. Yeah, that's typical a week for us. Yeah, we would have won we would have won eighteen grand only for eighteen teams let us down. So I'm giving me my top uh, accumulator there for this week so it's a six club uh, accumulator would you call this your taka yeah it's tabaka tabaka um, tabaka tabaka tobacco and um, so uh, for one euro one euro stake you get a 26.55 return okay for six teams so six teams, okay. So Spurs v Liverpool. So at Wembley. At Wembley. Not Spurs home ground. I'm going for. I'm going for the pool. Right, seven to five. They're actually not even favourites. At like so. Do you think that where Liverpool are now, the bookies are thinking too much about that four-one last year where Dixie Lovren just had a shit show. Uh, yeah, maybe. So, like, I've I've listened to a few podcasts. Uh, I listened to the Hard Yards rugby podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in that, they have said that bookies definitely, 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 definitely go for uh, history. Yeah. So, like, like, pretty much fuck form. Like, I think as well, though, like. When you look at it, this game was scheduled to be Spurs' first game at their new stadium. Yeah. And then obviously that toilet bowl of the stadium has been made a fuck of. Yeah. So it's going to be yeah. in FIFA though. It's going to be in new FIFA. It's going to be in FIFA. So basically, it's going to be in the new FIFA before uh, the boys, the, the actual fans, are actually going to be able to see it. Yeah. They'll be able to see it in FIFA before they're going to actually see it live. They have a sliding pitch. They don't have a stadium. Yeah. No, I'm a Liverpool fan. I hope that comes in. Okay. Uh, second bet is Chelsea v Cardiff. I'm going for Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea at home, yeah. They're Chelsea at home. Uh, they're, I don't see any other result. Yeah, they're like they're one to seven favourites. Okay. Right. Uh, third match, it's Huddersfield versus Crystal Palace. I like. I, I've always liked Palace. Like they're such a like an attacking like. I've never liked Palace. Basically, because of Chris Bull. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I've always liked. But Palace were a team of mine in LMA Manager 2002 or 2003, basically because Clinton Morrison played with them. Mm. So, but I do think I do think Palace away at Huddersfield is Zaha back. I actually have no idea. That's the key. I, like, Apparently, I, they haven't won a game for four years where Zaha has been out. That's an exaggeration. I think it's like two years, but. Yeah. They need Zaha. Yeah. Because Benteke couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. But uh yeah, so that's that's a it's probably a dodgy like that's a dodgy game because they've put yeah. in Crystal Palace like uh above odds. Yeah, but what are they? Uh seven to five. It's only because 'cause they're away though. I, I don't I I think Huddersfield are probably the second worst team in the league behind Cardiff. Um I love Dave Wagner, I think he's a great coach, but I, they haven't invested. 
I, I think Huddersfield are relegation fodder. Okay. Uh, next game then is Man City versus Fulham. Man City, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah, look, sure. Good luck. I love Fulham, though. They're a fucking quality side. Like. I missed them when they weren't in the Premiership. Yeah. Yeah, I did as well. Like They're they're like, they're like such a lovable side. Uh, the next game then is Newcastle versus Arsenal. I have a soft touch for Newcastle, but I'm for in this match, I'm going for Arsenal. Yeah. I think here what odds are Arsenal in that? Uh, 5 to 6 uh, <laughs> I think here Newcastle they're not great but Rafa's a great manager and yeah. he matches up well and Emery's still starting off at Arsenal I see what I, I personally think one all draws written all over that because I think Arsenal are wide open at the back Yeah. Um, so I can see maybe Iose Perez or someone scoring on the break and but Arsenal take a lead through Mkhitaryan and uh, the final game then is Everton West Ham. West Ham have had a fucking piss poor start yeah. of the season, right? Brutal. Uh, Everton are only evens, which I think is pretty good odds for okay, this, yeah. for Everton. Like Richardson's after hitting two for Brazil, and like I think he's he's after having a really good start of the season. Like I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth here. Like as a Liverpool fan, I have to take every opportunity to take the piss out of everything. I know you are. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to make the counter argument and play devil's advocate for West Ham. Yeah. Right. They're unlucky against Arsenal. Yeah. They conceded a fluke goal to lose the game. Right. They got annihilated by Liverpool. They weren't at the game, but they just picked the wrong fucking midfield. Like, Mm. who in their right mind puts Mark Noble and Jack Wilfer in the one midfield? It's the most immobile midfield since fucking me and you like <laughs> you know uh, and I think Felipe Anderson has looked really good if Marco Anatovic is back and fit I think they'll cause that Everton backline trouble um, Everton are home though and Marco Silva has a really good home record as a manager so I do think on the balance of it Everton made a really good start but I'm hoping Richardson's a bit tired from flogging it out with Brazil and Everton are just typical Everton and make a fuck of it and I think you know Felipe Anderson's look brilliant um, hopefully they sort out the back and look Pellegrino's won the Premier League he's not a bad manager so I'm, I'm going to play Devils out for it and say it. I reckon West Ham will win that ok I hope you don't because I have a bet on um, I hope you win that 26 euro yeah so do I um, so then my other bet is a 3 quid bet for a 16.40 return and okay. this is in the uh, Airtricity Premier Division, right? The greatest league in the world, self proclaimed. Greatest league in the world. Uh, so I have uh, Bose versus Cork City. I have Cork City uh, beating Bose. Uh, they're odds on, it's there. They're odds on. Like, yeah, they're like, flying. It's like Cork City and Dundalk are just flying. It's a two horse race, like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I go along with that. So then I have Walford versus Bray. Uh, Bray had a fucking horrendous start of the season. Walford had a magnificent start of the season. Walford now have a horrendous. Uh, this part of the season has been absolutely horrendous. Brave getting after getting better and better. Uh, but I've gone for Walford just to just reclaim some bit of. Is that on Friday night, yeah? Uh, Friday night, all these games are Friday night. Training, so I miss it. But we went, we're like we went to see Watford. They won three 0 I know. Yeah. Um, early, early part of the early season. Early part of the season, they were flying. Yeah, uh, they they had a lot of lone players, and then they went away, and they kind of have stumbled since then. But yeah, 
so uh, third game then I have sh it's Shamrock Rovers versus Limerick. I have uh, Shamrock Rovers to beat Limerick. Right. I'll go along with that, Jeff. Shamrock Rovers are one to eight favourites. One, one to eight on favourites uh, for that game. Uh, and then in the final game, I have Sligo Rovers versus St. Pat's. I have St. Pat's at six to four. I actually thought I had backed Sligo. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, St. Pat's oh, fucking go with it. Go with it. If they're six to four, sure, look. What harm? They're in with a puncher's chance. They're in with a puncher's chance. Uh, so anyway, that's three quid on for a sixteen forty return. So you're talking just over five, five return. Five to one ish. Five ish. Five five plus ish. Five five point one five ish ish. And then I think we'll uh, sure fucking been shiting on long enough here now. Uh, Absolutely. I'd like to thank uh, Phil Grimes again for hosting this, uh, this another episode of the Snugcast. They're fucking, they're fucking fantastic men here. In fairness, um, so yeah, like I've really enjoyed this episode. And uh, any, DJ, any parting words or? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Yellow Belly Beer Microbrewery from Wexford. They were opening a bar tomorrow in uh, John's Bridge, just literally a stone's throw here from Phil Grimes. You can see it when you walk out the door, called Grady's Yard. They open tomorrow, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday the 12th of September. They're opening opening tomorrow um, at 5pm and certainly we look forward to recording a podcast out of it soon enough. Uh, keep 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 posted for that. So it's a uh, Yellow Belly Beer Wexford. Uh, they sell. They, they have an online shop and they're opening a. They have a microbrewery in Wexford and they open a microbrewery in Warford now tomorrow. So shout out to them. Really look forward to seeing what they have to offer here in Warford and really look forward to going for a taste here tomorrow. Um, we're we're back in Phil Grimes tomorrow night to record some more um, stuff and I'm looking forward to tasting some of Yellow Belly stuff which they, they supply to Phil Grimes tomorrow night so shout out to them um, uh, uh, as for anything else just to finish off the show I'd just like to say follow us on Facebook at Snowcast on Twitter at Snowcast and on Instagram at Snowcast if you've enjoyed these episodes and the previous episodes like, follow, subscribe and listen thanks a million I'm DJ Walsh Owen Tav's been hosting this has been another episode of the Snowcast Lucky bastards. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.